This is the Endangered Species Podcast, the podcast by aspiring men for aspiring men from Phoenix, Arizona. This is Sean Bollendorf with my co-host, Logan Bonjean. How you doing, man? Yep, good. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing great, man. As always, gents, we are here. We exist to get the godly man off of the endangered species list. How was your weekend, bud? It was great, man. Really good. I got to rest, which is needed. A lot of people in our circle are trying to keep the Sabbath holy. I know we're taking it seriously. I've been loving it. It's in the Ten Commandments, man. God worked for six days and then he ceased. He practiced the Shabbat. We need it. He didn't. He did it as an example for us. It's been incredible, man. Let's decide this right now. Let's do an entire episode on rest. We need to, man. A man and his rest. Mm -hmm. Men need rest. All right, bookmark it. We're going to come back to this. (laughs) But that is not what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to talk about something that everybody has, everybody touches. This, This affects every man's life. The godly man, the man who's not aspiring to follow Christ, it affects every man, woman, and child, actually. Uh, in many ways, in the issue that we're talking about today, what is it, Logan? We're talking about money. We are. We're talking about money. And, you know, it's so funny because I think there's a perspective out there that guys think that, man, either you are, it's kind of like faith and science, you yeah, know, yeah. Either, either you're into faith or, and you're unscientific, clearly, or you're reasonable and therefore you're irreligious, right? It's like those two get pitted against each other, faith and science. And yet some of the greatest Christians of all time uh, were also some of the greatest scientists. I bring that up because I think it's similar with money. I think that a lot of people think there's the spiritual world and then there's the unspiritual world. Money has its place in the unspiritual world, what we see around us, the physical world, And therefore, what would the Bible even have to say to me about money? Um, Some people take the view that money is evil uh, because it's, you know, filthy lucre, where we get the word lucrative. Uh, People think, man. I had no idea that was (laughs) a thing until just now. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I'm serious. I had no idea. I'm showing my, uh, either I'm either well-read or old. Yeah, just go with (laughs) (laughs) well-read. I think I'm just old, man. Yeah, that's right. So some people have this idea that all money is bad, that money is filthy lucre. And then you bring that into your Christianity and you say, if I don't give away everything I have, or, you know, if I'm over the top generous, then I'm probably out of God's will. I've lived that. I've seen that in other people's lives. That's kind of one stance. There are families that exist where Either one or both of the parents was very uncomfortable talking about money. And so it just became this thing sort of like sex or other that um, didn't get talked about. And so people kind of get curious or they think, yeah, that is bad. And they just kind of take their parents' views and run on. Yeah, it kind of becomes like a taboo topic of conversation. It's interesting to me. You you touched on it. But yeah, we really have. And we've talked about this idea in the past with other areas. But that idea of a sacred secular divide that we've kind of created with money that things are either sacred or they're secular and there's no carryover. And yeah, we often categorize money in that quote unquote secular category. Um, But we're going to dive into it, Sean. That's not how the Bible talks about money. God actually has a lot to say about money and there is no such sacred secular divide when it comes to money in God's heart and mind. Absolutely. And and before we do that real quickly, I do want to just ask the question, what is money? You know, what, what actually is money? Money, what makes a paper 
USD different than a $1 monopoly piece of paper? Yeah. Let's start from square one. How, how does it all different? You know, cause now we have crypto out there. We've got all kinds of ways that you can exchange currency or buy things of value. What is money? I actually love what Robert Kiyosaki says. He's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of the best real estate investment books or inspirational books, I guess, on that topic that's out there. Robert Kiyosaki says money is this. Money is what you and I agree it to be. Interesting. (laughs) Whatever we agree on has value, then that is money. Why does a dollar bill, a little piece of paper that won't get torn up in the washing machine, is that why it's valuable? Because, you know, unlike normal paper, it doesn't get torn up when it gets wet. No. Obviously not. The U.S. dollar bill has value because we all agree that it has value. Now, you used to be able to say it's backed by gold and Fort Knox and all this stuff. Well, a long time ago, we got off the gold standard value. There's way less gold in Fort Knox than there are dollars floating around. The numbers don't add up. And so ultimately, numbers on a page in your bank account or actually writing someone a check or handing someone a dollar bill, ultimately money is just what you and I agree it to be. And not just you and I, but all of a given society. You could say the government obviously has a massive say in that, but not the only say, as we've seen with crypto. Man, that's a good foundation to start on, just defining what even is money in the first place. Let's take a look at, and what I think we want to spend most of this episode doing, let's take a look at what what does God have to say about money? We already touched on how a lot of times we think of, can think of money as this kind of like taboo type of subject where it's like, hey, that's a personal thing. Like We don't talk about that together. That's between me and my finances. But we know that God actually does have a lot to say about money. So let's dive into it, Sean. What are, what are some scriptures that come to mind um, in the Bible talking about money? I love what Moses said way back in Deuteronomy 8 to the entire nation of Israel. He was giving this long, long address or sermon to the entire country. And one of the things he talks about is God's material blessings. And he says in chapter 8, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live, so that you may increase and enter and possess the land. And then he goes on and on to talk about how God had blessed them in the past And then he gives them some advice or some commands really Hmm. on how to respond to God's blessing. And in verse 10, he says, when you, my fellow Israelites have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord, your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and here's what I love. When you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, when your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, if you don't praise the Lord your God, verse 14, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then Moses goes on to essentially remind the Hebrews of every other thing God has done, including obviously release them from slavery, provide for them 40 years in the promised land etc. What's my point? The point is, like it says here, wealth doesn't come from us. Wealth comes from God. It It is he who gives us not just the wealth itself, but the ability to produce wealth. That's all over Deuteronomy 8. Man, I love that. I think I've heard a handful of sermons on money. People like to talk about it here and there. 
And I've never heard people go to Deuteronomy 8 before. I actually really haven't, but I love that scripture and the principles that it lays out. And that's really, that's our hope. We're going to do a couple episodes of Money, this first one and, and another one to follow. And we're calling it Principles and Practicals. So this first episode is is really the principles of money. And, and that lays such an awesome groundwork for this conversation that we're diving into of, man, I love what you said that like God is actually the one who provides wealth. Every good thing comes from him. Man, that's a good, that's a really good place to start with this conversation. And not only is it God who gives us wealth and the ability to produce wealth, he also tells us what to do with it. I know we're going to get into some of that next week, but you think about Jesus. Jesus spoke more about money than any other topic, how to handle it. He talked about uh, the parable, the talents. He talked about giving. He talked about how to give. He even talked about how to earn. He talked about how a boss is free in the parable of the 11th hour worker to decide how much he's going to pay who. It's so fascinating, even just looking in our society, in the last couple of years, the federal government has tried to implement a minimum wage. They've been trying to get it for, to $15 for a couple of years now. They've been unable to pass it through. The, the federal minimum wage, do you know what it is? No, it's got to be crazy low. It's though. still seven twenty-five. Wow. It's still seven twenty-five, And you think, man, I thought the government should have taken that care of that a long time ago. But here's what's crazy. If you want to work at McDonald's right now, you're going to make 16 to 22 an hour starting. Yeah. If you want to work at Amazon, you're going to make 15 to 22 an hour starting. It's like this issue that the government was trying to solve. I find it so interesting that the free market mm -hmm. has solved. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's wild. And yet, uh, Jesus spoke to that a little bit. You know, people talk about that, you know, was Jesus a socialist? Was he a capitalist? All that, you know, well, it's interesting. I don't think you can really put him in too many labels like that. Yeah. You're, you're probably treading on thin ice quickly yeah. when you start getting into that. I'm, I'm sure people on either one of those sides will come very strong saying Jesus was one or the other. If they're a Christian, you know, yeah, be careful, be careful slapping labels like that in Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it is interesting when you see the parable of the 11th hour worker where Jesus says, Hey, this this man has money and he has agency with his money. Mm -hmm. He can do what he wants with his money. Jesus didn't shy away when it came to paying taxes. Jesus told Peter and the other bystanders, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Jesus never shied away from talking finances. Many pastors do. Yeah. And you said you've heard some sermons on, on money. Good for you and good for your pastors for actually teaching it. I know a lot of pastors are afraid because they think, the average non-churchgoer is going to come in and hear that, you know, one odd sermon on money. And then he's going to be like, yeah, I told you that's all they talk about and walk out of there right. for another 10 years. Um, but I think it's not teaching the fact that they're teaching about money. It's terrible teaching about money. Mm -hmm. When the preacher stands up there and, and begs for money and talks about how the church is going to close if people don't give or whatever, it's like, that's not exactly what's going to draw them in, bud. Let's talk about that for a minute, though, because the other the other place my mind goes like in in this maybe is the cynic in me a little bit. But when you read Deuteronomy eight and you talked about how wealth actually comes from God himself, my mind automatically went to what about prosperity gospel? I think we I think it'd be good to define what the prosperity gospel movement is and how the biblical view of money is way, way, way different than that and how we can navigate wealth and, and money in a way that actually honors God, that actually is good for our souls and our hearts, and that doesn't fall into the trap of, of a prosperity gospel type of movement. Yeah, that's good. I think to answer that question or even to get into that discussion, we have to lay a foundation before that. It goes back to even the first question we talked about today, what is money? 
because even though money is what the vast majority of people agree it to be, um, whether money's good or bad is person to person. You know, is money evil or is, is money moral? Is, is money or is it amoral? I really like what Dave Ramsey says about this, and he's been saying it for years in his teachings. A lot of times he'll open up a, a workshop and he'll say, here's a brick, and he'll actually hold a brick, and he'll say, this brick is neither good nor bad. It is neither holy nor evil. It is neither moral uh, nor immoral. It is actually amoral. This brick is without morals. I can take this brick, says Ramsey, and I can build a, a school for orphaned children in Africa. That would be a good thing, of course. I could also take this brick and throw it through a car window and steal your wallet out of your car, right? The brick was not good in the first instance, and it was not bad in the second instance. Dave Ramsey goes on to say, money is like that brick. It's amoral. Of course, the Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Many people misquote that and say uh, money. I was just going to say that's that's important because I think there have been times where I've just kind of breezed past that and been like, oh, money's bad. But that's not what it's saying. Money in and of itself isn't what's inherently evil. It's the love of it that, that is what brings evil into the picture. I can share my own experience with that. For years and years and years, I was financially illiterate. Oh, me too. I was uncomfortable with the topic. And so instead of going and learning and reading and, and listening to teachers who knew what they were talking about to get financially literate. Instead, it was just easier for me to say, rich people are bad, right? Money is bad, right? Because I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to handle it. It was just easy for me to, uh, throw out the baby with the bathwater and say, I don't know anything about it. And, and to be, if I was just being honest, I should have said, I just don't want to go learn all that there is to learn about money. And so I'm just cool staying foolish about it. Sort of similar to the conversation we had about alcohol in the last episode. It's sometimes easier to live in the black and white and just say, well, this is black, this is black and white, right or wrong and tie a bow on it. But this just isn't a black and white conversation. Similar to that one, there's, there is some gray area that we need to navigate and use the wisdom of scripture to do so. And so that's what very much. So growing up, I was in the camp that rich people were bad because money was bad. And the less money you had, the, the better person you are, you were, or are, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily a believer or a follower in Christ, but I looked at rich people and I looked at them with disdain and hate. And if I was being honest again, back then I would have said, I'm just envious. <laughs> I'm just jealous. Instead of just, instead of admitting my envy though, what I did instead is I said, rich people are evil. Money is evil. Okay. Why would we say all that in a discussion about your question? What about the prosperity gospel? Yep. Right. Because you, you look at like, you know, dude, you look at some of these countries in Africa and you look at the top 10 list of net worth in those countries, in some of those countries, like three or four of the people, three or four of the richest people in that country are pastors. And you go, man, something in me says that's not right. I know blessing comes from God. I know the ability to increase wealth comes from God, but there's also a wealth of scripture, no pun intended, that talks about not exploiting the poor. James 5 comes to mind. Listen, you rich people, weep and wail. Misery is coming against you. All of Proverbs comes to mind. I remember the first time I sat down and read the book of Proverbs front to back in one sitting, which I highly recommend, some themes bubbled up. 
that I never noticed before because I'm on the chapter a day plan, you know, and have been for right. years and years. And then one day I just decided I'm going to read the whole book, even though it doesn't really read like a, a story, so to speak. And I noticed these themes bubble up. And one of those themes was, if you are a God-fearing person, you better take care of the poor. You better take care right. of the poor and you better not exploit the poor. And so when, when you look at these pastors who in the name of give and it will be given to you in the name of bless others and blessing will return. It's tough, man, because Jesus did say those things. And dude, I personally have experienced some of those things in my own journey of generosity. I went from um, foolish giver to stingy hoarder to generous giver. And once I became a generous giver, I noticed that God started blessing me financially more. Now, it would be easy for me to say that those things were definitely connected and everybody who does this follows a formula and it's going to happen for them. But here's the reality. The guys preaching that are the direct recipient of people's generosity. You're standing up there on a Sunday morning and you're saying, give and it will be given to you. And by the way, the place you give is here at this church. Right. It's for it's for personal gain. There is no, like what you were saying to me differs in that like God was stoking a heart of generosity in you. And I, I, I don't know your heart, Sean. I can't search it and know for sure. But I'd imagine that when you're in a place. It's evil, but I'll, I'll help you there. Well, you and me both. <laughs> Glad we're in the same camp. But still, I, I guarantee like when, when the Holy Spirit is really active in us in this department, we're generous not to get something in return. Like that, that is actual true generosity is giving without an expectation in return. And then that's why when, when we receive blessing, it's all the more sweet. But the problem with the prosperity gospel type of movement and really like the definition of the prosperity gospel, it's a perversion of the gospel. It, it's not even truly a, a gospel um, I, w I will disagree with you a little bit on the receiving after giving, because in Matthew seven, Jesus does give some rewards as motivators. He says, when you give, do it in secret. Don't wave your hands around and announce it in, in public, right? He says, when you give to the needy, don't let your right hand know what the left hand is doing. But then he says this, he says in your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, does it say he gives you a financial reward? No. Does it say he won't give you a financial reward? No. Does he say when that reward comes? That reward many times in scripture comes in heaven. It comes in the afterlife. So can it also come on earth? I guess it could, right? Is it wrong for me to give in secret, hoping to get a return one day in heaven? I don't think so. Jesus explicitly said at the end of Matthew 6, just before that, Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Why would he tell us to do that if it was wrong? He, he very much so wants us to experience rewards, but not like people think, not not yeah. earthly rewards. 100%. And maybe I... I'm this may be an area where you or I potentially disagree, where I, I would potentially agree with disagree with other people. I think when I read that scripture that you just mentioned in Matthew seven, um, that's where my mind goes. What you just touched on is the e eternal reward is treasures in heaven. I don't know if there's a place for me personally where I can give hoping for a monetary return on like this side of heaven. And it's actually good for my heart. 
in my mind, that's a prosperity gospel type of message. It's it's a claim that God rewards increases in faith with increases in health or wealth. That's kind of the textbook definition of the prosperity gospel. And so in my mind, when Jesus is speaking to that, he's saying, hey, your reward is heaven bound. It's eternal. And there is, I think, I just think it gets really, really messy when a message is communicated that, hey, if you are increasing your faith, and really when they say increasing in faith, that means you're increasing your giving, you're increasing your generosity, then you will receive a physical or monetary return in your health or wealth this side of heaven. That's kind of the textbook definition of prosperity gospel. And so in my mind, when, I, when I'm giving um, financially, no part of me, because I don't think I should be thinking this way, no part of me is like, man, I hope God pours it out on me financially next week in return. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'm missing something, maybe I'm off, but that's probably where I land in this department. Yeah. I'll tell you, I hate the health and wealth gospel. I hate what it's doing in particular to poor people around the world. That said, I do know that God is pleased with faith. Mm-hmm. Hebrews eleven six. anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I can tell you, there have been times in my life when I didn't have money to give, but I gave anyway because I had a need. And I remember thinking to myself, what Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. And so by faith, I just said, Lord, I'm actually going to give this, you know, whatever it is, a dollar amount or some, some material thing away and trust you to provide for my needs. Mm -hmm. Now, how God provides for my needs, that's his call. He, he may give me money. He may give me more money than I gave away. He may say, you know what? I'm going to teach you that you didn't actually need what you thought you needed. Mm. Right. Uh, to me, all of that is in play. That is one thing that I do love about the people who are, are in the prosperity gospel movement or in the health and wealth churches. Um, I don't love the message that the, the preacher is preaching to them, but man, there are so many people who actually do have faith and who actually do give from a position of need. And I do think God sometimes hooks those people up. He blesses them. Yeah, it's it's the, it's this is where things get gray and it's hard and we gotta like work through these things and talk them out. And it really is circumstantial and we just have to be, ultimately in my mind at the end of the day, it comes down to our hearts. It's like, and it comes down to that verse that you quoted. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So whether whether you're giving or receiving, it really has to be a heart check of like, am I falling into a love of money in this department? And can I both give and receive from a place of just a pure heart? I think of, I, I spent time in First Timothy this morning, just in my quiet time. And these, I, I had never even really honed in on this scripture before, but it's at the very, very end of the letter. Um, it's First Timothy 6, starting in verse 17. And keep this in mind, especially if you're listening right now from America and you have a MacBook and you drive a car, uh, you are rich. Like by the world standards, you are in the upper percentile of wealth in the entire world. Upper 1% for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, you you have no idea. And so when I read this, keep in mind, and this is me too, I am, I am rich, you are rich, we are rich if we have these things in our life. Paul says to Timothy, he says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, as in prideful, uh, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold 
of that which is truly life. I love that. I think Paul is getting at here. He's not even, I mean, he's talking assumptively to people who are rich, who have wealth, and he's not saying that it's inherently wrong, but he's laying the groundwork for how we are to handle that richness, how we are to handle that wealth, and it's to seek God with all of it. Yeah, it is interesting. He says, uh, be rich in good works. Mm -hmm. And he also says of God, Paul does, he says that God richly provides for our needs and provides all things that we may enjoy. Yeah, I love that. It's unbelievable. At the same time, I will say as a younger believer, again, back to the drinking episode, it's reminding me a lot of that too, because as a younger, less mature, more legalistic, more judgmental believer, (laughs) I looked at rich believers and I thought, you guys are clearly in sin. I thought, if I had your money, here's what I would do. Hmm. I would be much more generous. I wouldn't live in as big a house. I wouldn't drive as nice a car. I think I was one of the reasons Jesus said, do not judge lest you be judged, yeah. right? Because who, who who am I to put myself in a place to say, this person can have this much? Do we agree that God does not promise that every believer will be wealthy? Of course we agree that. There are millions of believers around the world who suffer in poverty. And, and shame on me if I never think of that. And if I only think about padding my bank account, and if I only think about you know, growing my wealth, right? At the same time, shame on me if I never become financially literate, if I never seek to provide more generously for my family, if I never seek to provide for the poor, mm-hmm. whether it be just through straight up giving, mercy giving, social giving, or maybe it's through providing a job for somebody that didn't otherwise have a job. These things do become more nuanced, I think, than I wanted them to be when I was a younger believer. I just wanted it to say, anything you make, kind of like our government wants to do to billionaires right now, and anything you make over a certain amount, you just need to give it away. It would be so much more clean, so much more easy, but God wants us to act in faith. Mm -hmm. He wants us to pray. He wants us to have a living relationship with him where we pray and ask his opinion because it's all his anyway, Mm -hmm. 100% of money and goods in the world belong to God. I don't care if they're in the hands of someone who doesn't worship him or the hands of somebody who worships him day and night. They're still all his goods Mm -hmm. uh, and dollars. Yeah, and he's after our hearts, like what you just said. God is after the heart. Yeah, and, and I will say, I think money is an incredible area for God to show us his faithfulness. It's such an incredible area for God to grow our faith. It's a very practical way to do it. It's a very empirical way to do it because if I need $75 to uh, buy groceries for my family that I don't have and I'm praying about it and I'm asking God and then God provides that money, that just feels so much more real to me than if I'm praying for somebody else asking that God would grow them in their love for God. An equally good prayer, right? Maybe a more eternal and spiritual prayer. Uh, But at the same time, how do I know when that prayer is answered? right? I know when the $75 prayer is answered, right? And so I think it's a tremendous way for God to show us his faithfulness, this area of material blessings. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to put our faith in him. I remember a friend of mine, a pastor gave a sermon on giving and he challenged people to give from their first fruits, Hebrews, uh, sorry, Proverbs three, nine and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. There's another one of those healthy, wealthy gospel uh, verses we might have to talk about. <laughs> you pervert that one. Sure, but. 
but anyway, God essentially said through, through all of time, don't give to me at the end of the month. Don't give me the last of your paycheck. Don't give to me the corners of your, um, the last of your field or the last of your crop. He actually did say, give the corners to the, to the poor, but he said, bring in the first fruits and give them to the Lord. So my pastor friend was teaching on Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, and, and a guy walked up to him after the sermon and he said, are you telling me that even though I make 3000 a month and I'm barely eking by like, dude, we have sometimes single digit dollars in our bank account at the end of the month, sometimes pennies. You're telling me that instead of giving to the church at the end of the month, that I should give to the church the day I get my paycheck. And the pastor said, I don't care if you give it my pastor friend. He said, I don't care if you give that money to my church, but you need to give it to the Lord. You need to give it to the Lord so you can grow in obedience and faith. And the guy said, man, I just don't think I have enough money to do that. So my pastor friend said this. He said, I'll make you a deal. He goes, if you get to the end of a month after giving the first and he chose 10%, he goes, if you give 10% at the beginning of the month, right when you get your paycheck and then you live and do life and you provide for your family and all that stuff, he goes, at the end of the month, whatever shortfall you have, I'll cover it. I will write you a check for the difference. Wow. And the guy goes, are you serious? He goes, do you want to take me up on that? And the guy goes, yeah, hundred percent. And the pastor goes, isn't that interesting? You're willing to put your faith in me, a man, a man who doesn't make very much money, a pastor to cover your needs at the end of the month. And you're not willing to trust God. Hmm. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly put myself in that story and I'm like, I'd probably be that guy. I'd be like, yeah, for sure. That's revealing. He, he was willing to put his trust in the word of his pastor. Hey, I'll cover you instead of what, what Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Yep, all the things you need in the Lord's prayer, <laughs> like Jesus's actual prayer. Give us this day, our daily bread. Give us what we need. God is faithful to provide that. One of the things I think about all the time, how do you pray the Lord's prayer in a refrigerator society? How do I say to the Lord, give me this day, my daily bread, when I have a month's worth of daily bread, proverbially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my house, right? And yet I pray it anyway. I ask for clean water. I ask for money so I can fund my family. And I ask daily for food, even though there's food in my, my kitchen, because I think God wants us to be in the habit. And still yet my trust is either him or in him or it's not. I mean, is my trust in this one month's worth of perishables or is it in God, the provider? It needs to be in, mm -hmm. in God, the provider, regardless if I have one month or th three years stocked up. Mm -hmm. Logan, I know a lot of the guys are probably listening going, man, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. I already believe that, but I'm struggling with my money. Man, I'm young. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to budget. I don't know what I'm doing. Guys, that's what we're gonna talk about next week. We just wanted to talk a little bit philosophical this week. We wanted to go principles. Next week, we're going to go practicals. We're going to talk budgeting. We're going to talk about the big four. We're going to talk about how to earn money with integrity. We're going to talk about how to give, save, invest, and spend. We're going to teach you all that, but we just wanted to talk philosophical this week. Yeah, and I'm excited for next week because, I mean, I'm 23, and I am very, very early on in my 
financial literacy and my financial independence. And so I'm excited to learn from you, Sean, and I'm excited to talk through all of these things and, and learn, learn alongside our listeners. And I really, this is so important. And that's why we took this whole episode to lay uh, a groundwork in principle because this really matters and where our hearts land on this really matters. It's why Jesus talks about it so much. That's why the Bible touches on it. And I, I think part of the reason why Jesus talks about this topic so much is because he probably knew how consuming money can become. And it's just a really big part of our lives. And so I'm excited to really figure out um, both in principle and very practically how we can steward it well and, and honor God with it. Guys, as we wrap up, I want to give you, the members of the herd, a quick challenge. I want to challenge you to delve into the scriptures. Go before God, pray, ask, seek. He says, if you knock, he will open the door. Ask him his thoughts on money. Go and study the scriptures. Again, Jesus said more about money than any other topic. Obviously, God cares about this topic. And even more than that, he cares about our hearts. He cares about how we approach money as it relates to our hearts and our relationship with him. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week as we further this discussion on the practicals of what to do with this stuff, money. See you guys next week.